This is The Mudroom, uncommon sense parenting classes with your parenting coach, Alana Robinson. Weekly nuggets of developmentally appropriate parenting wisdom to help you parent your toddlers, preschoolers, and kindergartners more effectively with less effort. The Mudroom is recorded live on Facebook every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. Now, here's Alana. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Mudroom, our weekly free parenting class. I hope you're all enjoying the lights and sights of the season. During December, the Uncommon Sense Parenting team and I take a wee break so that we can also enjoy the season with our families and focus on getting our clients ready for the next year. So during December, we'll be running replays of our top episodes of 2021. These are the episodes that got the most likes, the most comments, the most views this year. So we hope that you enjoy this refresher and we'll see you with new episodes in 2022. Happy holidays! Hello everyone, welcome to The Mudroom, our weekly free Uncommon Sense Parenting class. How is everyone this week? It has been a very hard week for parents here in Ontario. We were informed that we're in a strict stay-at-home orders for the next month and that primary schools are closed indefinitely. So while my kids have been home this whole time and it doesn't really change much for our family, it's been a very long week of comforting others, helping parents figure out what their routine can be, getting our own family ready for the reduced access to retail and closure of playgrounds. So it's just been a big week energetically. If you're in Ontario, I feel you. If you're elsewhere and things are starting to open up, lucky you, this episode is actually for y'all. Before we jump into our topic today, though, allow me to introduce myself. My name is Alana Robinson, and I'm a parenting coach for parents of toddlers, preschoolers, and kindergartners. I help you understand why your children are misbehaving and how to fix it without yelling, shaming, or timeouts. I'm your host here on The Mudroom. I'm also the host of the Parenting Posse Facebook group, and I am the creator of the Parentability Program, where I help you raise well-behaved kids of your own. No matter where you are, catching this class from, please like and subscribe so that you never miss another class. It really helps us reach more parents who need support. I encourage you to comment and ask questions as we go along. This class is pre-recorded, but I am here. I am available to answer your questions in the comments, and you can always follow up in the Parenting Posse as well. All right. So typically around this time of year, the snow has melted, you know, we're coming up on May. I start to get a lot of questions about kids and extracurriculars like soccer, swimming lessons, dance, etc. And participation. As parents, we get really excited about all these activities that our little ones can participate in. And especially this year, as things are starting to open up in lots of areas of the world, not Ontario where I live, but elsewhere in the world with competent governments, Things are starting to open back up. Kids are starting to get enrolled in all of this cool stuff. Some parents have gone a little bit overboard, gone a little balls to the wall because we feel like we have to compensate for the last year of literal nothingness, which is a whole other episode for another time. But you've paid all of this money and look at this neat thing that I think that you'll love doing. And then, your child just wants to sit on the sidelines and watch. Or halfway through, they say they've, you know, they're done. And they're happy to just sit and drink their water and watch everyone else participate. <laughs> and this isn't new. This isn't a COVID thing. As I said, 
I get this question every single year, but I do know that this observer phenomenon is going to be a bit exacerbated this year due to COVID and a lot of kids going from almost total isolation to plopped in the middle of recreational activities with a bunch of other small humans. So first things first, observation is a valid form of participation, okay? Kids learn by watching other people do. And especially young kids, they're used to having extended periods of observation before they even have to make their first attempt. Think about like more mundane activities like eating, learning to walk, learning to go down a slide, learning to dance. Children learn these things by watching the adults and the older children around them do them, often for years before they even have to try it. So a three-year-old participating in intramural soccer for the first time, or a two-year-old in swimming lessons for the first time, it can be very overwhelming to be thrown into the deep end, so to speak, and be expected to try something before they've even really seen it. This is often why we see younger siblings jump into these activities much more readily than their older siblings, because they've generally been exposed to their older sibling participating in the activities with no pressure on them to participate for at least a year before it's their turn. I'll use my own kids as an example. When we lived in Edmonton, we really didn't have easy access to water or the opportunity to swim very much. Alberta's a landlocked province. There's not a ton of lakes. We lived in a small house. My husband and I aren't really the kind of people who hang around rec centers. So we weren't in the habit of taking my oldest to public swims. And nobody in our social circle had a pool because backyard pools just aren't super common in Edmonton. The summer is so short that it's just really not worth the cost and upkeep for most people. So my oldest had almost no exposure to swimming before we moved to Petawawa, where our access to water exploded. <laughs> we have a backyard pool here because the summer is much longer. The town sits on the Ottawa River and there's multiple really awesome beaches within five minutes of our house. My parents are within driving distance and they have a backyard pool as well. And my husband's family owns a cottage within easy driving distance as well. And it's on a beautiful lake. So we have easy access to lake swimming too. And it was a huge shock to my son to suddenly see people in the water regularly. And then we were expecting him to participate. Our first summer, he just flat out refused to go near water in any format, pool, lake, river, he wasn't having it. So then in the fall, we decided to enroll him in swimming lessons. And I kid you not, I had to come home and take a shot afterwards. He screamed the whole time. And you know how like indoor pools echo? My ears were ringing for two hours afterwards. And I didn't even make him go in the water. <laughs> He just sat at the edge of the pool and screamed. Contrast that with my younger son, who got toted along to swimming lessons every week for the first two years of his life. He was born in June, and he was swimming in pools within a month of being born. He was going to the beach with us and the cottage with us, and he watched his big brother doing all of those things. So when it came time for him to start swimming lessons, he jumped in the pool head first. The instructor wasn't even looking at him. And it's not that my younger son is just like a water baby and my older son isn't. It's actually quite the opposite. Between the two of them, the older one is a fish. 
he is very comfortable in the water now. His goal is actually to make the local swim team. <laughs> He's already begging us to open our pool for the season, even though it's nowhere near warm enough for us to actually use it yet. He's a fish. He loves the water. But it took him a lot longer to feel comfortable in the water because he didn't have as many observation opportunities as his younger brother did. And the same goes for any activity. If you take your daughter to ballet class for the first time and she's never seen a dance class before, well, chances are she's going to stand off to the side and watch the first couple of classes. If you take your kids to play in like Tykes soccer, which is really just like watching a bunch of cats fall all over each other. <laughs> but they, and you know, they've never kicked a soccer ball before. They've never really even seen a soccer game in person before. Chances are they're going to want to sit on the sidelines and watch for the first few practices because children learn through observation and observation is a valid form of participation. You learn so much by watching others do things. So don't feel your money or your time is being wasted by having your adorable three or four year old stand off to the side in their too big baseball uniform. They're just taking the first step of learning. The other phenomenon that's related to this that I hear a lot about is kids participating in like three quarters or half of a practice, and then they just decide to sit out for the last bit and watch. I've seen this play out in real life with my own kids in soccer. I've seen this with countless swimming lessons and dance classes. Part of my job as an early interventionist was to take children on my caseload to these community activities and facilitate their inclusion. So I got to go to a lot of gymnastics and swimming and parkour and martial arts and soccer and baseball and dance classes with the kiddos that I worked with to make sure that they could still do the things that are a part of childhood and that there was an adult there who could help them if they needed it. And I saw both this and the observer phenomenon happen constantly. And it was, I was always there like biting my tongue <laughs> when a child would remove themselves and their parents would start forcing them back into the activity. Because usually it ended with the child having a meltdown because they were done. And they knew that they were done. They were out of energy to be able to participate competently and they very calmly decided to sit on the sidelines and observe the rest of the class. In other words, they were self-regulating. But then they were forced back into the activity and they'd hit a wall and it would end in total disaster. And again, I totally get why parents do this. Generally, classes for young kids are like an hour long max. Most are like 30 to 45 minutes. And to us, that feels like a very short period of time to try and keep it together for. <laughs> but for a two, three, four, five, six-year-old, that's a long time to keep it together for, especially in the evening, which is when most of these activities take place. And because to us, it feels short, and we know all the extracurriculars are super expensive, we want them to actively participate for the entire hour-long class so that we get our money's worth because that shit doesn't grow on trees. But for our kids, it's exhausting doing something new. And often if you force them back into it when they've already self-identified that they've had enough, what we actually start to do is to create a negative association with the activity. They perceive it as stressful and exhausting instead of fun. 
if we versus if we allow them to come sit on the side, you know, have a drink of water and watch their peers, we maintain that positive association and they keep learning the skills that we've paid for them to learn. They're calmly observing them, which means they're more likely to try that skill next time. And they're more likely to do that skill proficiently, to be very competent to that skill because they've watched others do it. And as I said at the beginning, this is much more likely to happen in greater volume this year because the last year of isolation due to COVID, our kids have to learn to rebudget their energy. They don't have the last year of social experiences to be able to gauge how much energy these activities are gonna take from them and therefore are much more likely to hit a wall much faster than they would have previously, even extroverted children. They don't have the last year of observing their peers do things that they can pull those experiences from to inform their actions. All of these things are unconscious, but they're very active processes that our brains take part in without any awareness of it on our part. And they have a huge impact on our children's ability to participate in activities with their peers. So my advice to you as you register your kids for all sorts of cool, novel things this summer is register them for half as many activities as you think that they are actually capable of doing and only register them for things that you're okay with them spending a lot of time observing, either before they participate or after. Going from one extreme of almost total isolation to the other is not healthy, safe, or prudent. And it will cause you a lot of frustration and anxiety over wasted funds and time. So pick one or two things that you can't wait for your children to get back to and let the rest go this year. Something I do recommend doing if you've got more activities than you can reasonably handle is ask your friends who are participating in those other activities that you decide to let go for the various schedules or just drop by those activities so that you can observe. So like, I took my oldest to watch soccer games for almost a year before I actually enrolled him in soccer because I A, wanted to make sure he was actually interested in soccer and B, I wanted him to have opportunities to observe without having to pay for him to observe. And we didn't go to every game, but I asked a friend whose son was already enrolled when the practice times were, and we just went and watched a few over the summer. And then when I asked my son the next spring if he wanted to play soccer, he actually had a frame of reference for what that meant and how participating would look for him, what kind of energy that would take from him. You can't do this with all activities. It's a lot easier with things like soccer and baseball that are outside. But I have found that even for things like dance classes or gymnastic classes, which aren't as easy to casually observe, if I called the studio or the gym and explained that I wanted to have my child observe some classes before committing to enrollment, that they happily allowed me to do so. You might just want to say like, I'm happy for them to wear a mask or, you know, we'll sit off away from the rest of the parents. Um, I understand with COVID that might be a little bit harder to do, but depending on where you are and what the vaccine saturation looks like, it might not be an issue. So that's an option too. If you have like the idea of cutting your activities in half and that terrifies you, <laughs> create observation opportunities for your child for those that you're cutting this year. 
as I said at the beginning, if you have questions, please put them in the comments and I will answer them. Or if you want to talk it out with other like-minded parents, come join us in the Parenting Posse. We have almost 9,000 parents who are dealing with the same issues. We've got parentability veterans and amazing experienced moderators in there to help you figure out what is a reasonable load for your family and how to make this transition back into normal life as smooth as possible for you. And the link for the group is in the description. Thank you so much for being here with me today, and I will see you next week for another Uncommon Sense Parenting class. Bye. You've been listening to The Mudroom, Uncommon Sense Parenting Classes with Alana Robinson. If you like what you just heard, remember to join us live every Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Facebook. And don't forget to rate, subscribe, share, and connect with us in the Parenting Posse Facebook group. This has been an Alana Robinson Family Services production.